Hi everyone, welcome back to episode 10 of the Amateur Theatre Podcast. Last one before Christmas, and a wonderful milestone to have hit. Thanks to everyone who's been on the show, and thanks to everyone who's listening. I've had a great time so far putting it together, and really looking forward to 2022, to see what that brings. Loads of ideas of new stuff and new content. Quite a few new people to interview lined up. So hopefully some more really interesting conversations to take place. I'm probably going to throw in a little post-Christmas, pre-New Year's Eve roundup. Just me having a little chat about what I've learned, what my plans are going forward. So look out for that. Otherwise, have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Today, though, we are rocking on. We're talking to Alistair Nunn. He's a an Oxford institution sure he won't mind me saying that. He's been around for quite a while now. He's got his own company, Ronan Theatre Productions. Uh, he's worked with the, the local theatre guild here, and he has directed a number of shows for a number of different companies, while also acting in, in quite a few shows as well. Today we talk across his various skill sets. So we look at his acting, we look at his directing. It's clear that uh, Ali's focus is, is on story, so we chat a lot about story and the creation of story and how to present those stories to an audience. And we discuss the importance of trust and collaboration between the actors and the director. And Ali gives us an insight into how he runs a production, from auditions to casting and through into rehearsals, where Ali gives us some really good insights into how he manages his rehearsal room to get the best out of his actors. So sit back, grab some mulled wine, and enjoy. Like act- acting is quite a, a vulnerable. Like mm. you have to put yourself out there. What? What was the instigation to say, oh, I, you know, getting, getting on stage sounds like a great bloody idea. I'll go to this audition or whatever. Because, mm. And I'll move on to the directing side in a bit. But yeah, because um, it feels to me, being someone who doesn't want to be an actor at all, <laughs> the, the directing side has various draws to it over mm. and above putting yourself out there on stage. So I, I was wondering how that acting inclination kind of fell into your lap. Or I think it's quite interesting. There's a lot of... So there's a lot of actors, I remember Ian McDermott talked very much about this. Um, there's a lot of actors who are very shy. Yeah. Um, McDermott always talked about that he was crippled with anxiety in, 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 um, in public situations and talking to people. And he found that um, acting gave him a kind of channel to express himself in a way that he found much more difficult with, uh, with, 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 real, with real people. And I kind of feel, yeah, there's, 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 a, there's, a, lot, there's a lot to that. There's a kind of you you can find a lot of kind of rewarding confidence in 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 doing it and it's it helps you i say i think it helps you kind of express yourself in a way that um yeah a lot of people struggle with in um in 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 real uh, in real life and as a kind of creative outlet it's really exciting but it's all kind of been about wanting to tell stories and wanting to yeah, wanting to be able to pick and choose the work you do and the stories that you uh, that you want to uh, want to tell. 
and it's an excellent sort of opportunity to uh, to do that in a way that you don't you just very hard to get in um, in real life. Yeah, there's a certain amount of ego in it as well because you, you when something when you're in something's good and it's going well, it's nice standing on stage and having hundreds of people look at you and think hey, and clap. Yeah, yeah, you're pretty good. <laughs> and, uh, um, and I don't know how often they've done that when I've acted on stage. You know, not that often, but um, but yeah, it's um, yeah. There's there's all those kind of elements that come together uh, for it. But above all, I kind of think I was always I've always been much more shy than people necessarily think and acting has really helped me feel more confident in myself and it's really i'd say wanting to be part of something creative and storytelling it's a really excellent sort of opportunity to build your confidence while doing that yeah and as a within those sort of first hmm. few years of doing that what was the kind of did you get a general feeling that this was a because i i really buy into the idea of what you're saying in terms of the, the creating the story and the telling of the story because that's that's kind of central to what I like what I, my focus is as well but how did you feel in terms of being a part of a group of people trying to achieve that goal was that you know because clearly you have moved into being I mean you, uh, to be fair you've continued to direct as well but uh, sorry to act as well but you did move towards directing and I've obviously seen a couple of shows you directed which feels to me like a much more kind of like freeing experience where you can say mm. you go there you go there you say it like this we're going to look at this character do that which you have more control over what's going on mm. how did you feel in terms of someone who maybe has that within them mm. a- acting within a group of people where you kind of have to listen and do as you're told and mm. was that was that well i i i think i think there's a lot of collaborative work in directing um yeah. i think i think collaboration is a big strong part of directing i think that particularly uh, amateur uh, theater uh, level yeah um, and I, I love the kind of um, collaboratively bouncing, working with work. I love working with talented people and bouncing ideas off them and forming and crafting a scene. And you, and I've also found, interestingly, I found it's a lot easier to make friend to make friends with people in the cast and crew if you're the if you're another actor <laughs> than right. you are if you're the director. I've always, I've there are a number of people who I directed first and then acted with, and I got to know them a heck of a lot better when I was acting with them than yeah, I did when I was yeah. directing them. So there's a, there's a, there's a strong social uh, element to it as, um, as well, but yeah, there's a lot of collaboration and that's what I am. Um, that's what I really like. Okay. So mm. what was you, you know, you've done a few shows as an mm. actor, you're getting a grasp of like how mm. that process unfolds. What was the transition then to say, okay, maybe I could steer this ship mm. as well, or I could take on. Yeah. I suppose there's kind of so there's kind of I always feel there's two stages of directing. So I, I directed the first time at university, and that was just kind of giving it a try. And then right. I didn't direct again for oh god, blimey, um, at least five, maybe six, seven years. Oh okay. Um, before I got into um, is to, that because you did just didn't didn't get hooked or what was the? Uh, so the first time round, it was good, but it was you know it was it was kind of stressful. Not everything went as well as I would have liked and I learned a lot from doing that as you would do I mean I was only about gosh probably about 18 19 so I didn't know what I was doing and uh, and, um I've always kind of there's always been a lot of kind of I find you supposed to doubt yourself about what you're kind of doing so yeah after arriving in Oxford I was I was lucky after a couple of years I was asked to uh, direct a couple of productions for two companies uh, Tom Hawk um, with, with Al Nichols, uh, which was much to do about nothing. Um, BMH, I was asked by um, Ed Blago to do um, uh, The Merchant of Venice. 
And that was a great opportunity because that really allowed me to sort of practice again and develop my kind of skills. And I was working with the actors and I kind of thought, yeah, I... I, I know what I'm doing here. Actually, this is fun. It made me think, yeah, I can actually, uh, I can do this. Mm-hmm. I do I do know how this kind of works. So what am I faffing around for? Let's let's give it another whirl. There was still kind of doubts and worries about whether I could actually apply for something and whether I would um, be able to go to another company I didn't have a, a relationship with and um, uh, and be asked to, I mean, chosen to direct something. Um, so so it wasn't really until, oh gosh, about sort of 2010 or something, I was working on a... Um, on a, on a show, it was a production of Henry V, actually. And um, I was asked to direct, uh, because the director wasn't available for, for a short spell, she just said, do you mind having a look at one of these scenes? So I um, I kind of did. And then I think that moment of sort of saying, yeah, you can, you can do this, you, your ideas are legitimate, people will listen to you um, and respect you and engage with what you're doing. You yeah. can present these things in a way that people will engage and get animated. But I think that was the main thing about it, actually. When we were talking about the scene, there were five of us in. We all were kind of excited about it. Everyone got really sort of sparked about it. And everyone starts throwing in their own ideas and saying, oh, well, I fit my character because what I did in like this other scene, you might do this here and that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's really exciting kind of creative sparks like that really um, really made me think I can do this. Hmm. Okay. So if I if I take you back to that first one that maybe hmm. didn't go so well, yeah. what... It, if you can think back to oh, uni and 18, yeah. I'm, sure you, I'm sure you can find it in your memory bank. <laughs> what, what would mm. you kind of maybe, is there anything you could pull out that maybe, and again, I, my my reasoning for doing this is mm. I, I quite like the idea of, of discussing where, the, where people have found it difficult or mm. come across barriers that they've ultimately overcome, but there might well be barriers that someone listening at this moment in time is facing so i wonder if you if you have a memory of that experience if there was anything kind of like that you could pull out mm. as a as a i think um if i remember it now i think probably the main things i did wrong there are a couple of rehearsals where i was too i was too perfectionist too pernickety far too early okay um like, was like oh, i know i kind of know what this is supposed to be like so like the first rehearsal, like, oh, stop don't do it don't like that do, do a bit more oh really so, okay i think that just kind of i think that just drove people up the wall i didn't i don't think i planned it well enough um, yeah, that's, that's in, interesting in i found that I yeah i do that yeah and i think above all i didn't know enough about people and oh, okay like directing is one of the one of the big things about directing i always think is no one wants to hear this but i yeah it's not all creativity with bang bang and i know i've talked about, about that how amazing it is but a lot of it is people management and <laughs> project management and, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and timing and the, the difficult balance of it which i didn't have a clue what to do back then is you have to balance kind of being essentially in a managerial capacity in someone's hobby yeah yeah definitely where i said the the big advantage they have in the professional theater is if if they don't get on you know if they don't get on with someone who you're who's working for you then you know too bad and maybe we'll fire you but yeah and (laughs) and also you're being you're um, yeah you're hmm. you're being you're being paid so get on with your job exactly there's there's a there's a line of report just like um just like you would be if you're working in an office or any other business and there's not there's not that same thing and i think i just wasn't savvy enough about um how to manage people without managing people if you see what i mean yeah so those are the kind of big things if you, it's being i always think with directing one of the kind of it's having you, one of the most difficult things about being confident in directing is having the kind of confidence not to not to try and impose yourself too much on people if that makes uh, if that makes sense um you need to you need to bring people uh, you need to bring people with you you need to you need to work with them you need to you need to get them invested in both you and your ideas for the show 
and if you try and do that in a kind of well this is the thing and you know this is where you're going and these are all the ideas i've had and because you just learn the lines and turn up then it's just not gonna it's not gonna work in in the right in the right way yeah i agree um mm. i'm gonna jump ahead i'll come back in two seconds yeah just a quick question just come to my mind how have you found the kind of as having done a, a, a quite a fair bit of acting how have you found that's impacted on your kind of direction I, I, do you look at someone doing a part that you're like oh i would do it this way and and that has influenced how you kind of mm. talk to them and drive them or are you do you try your best not to play the part while they play the part if that makes sense so it's yeah it's, it's an interesting question um so obviously i kind of feel it's helpful as a director if i i, I spend a lot of time thinking about all the parts in the play and i've got ideas in my head yeah. before we even start about where where they might go and I don't try and impose those ideas. And one of the big things we, I'm sure we'll talk about this later, one of the big things we do is really is working with actors to create a shared story like that together. But I like to, I think it's important that you have a kind of good idea of how, this is going to sound ridiculous, of how you might play the character mm -hmm. for what you think would work for the scene. It's like, And that's usually for kind of what I feel like the emotion or the, the story of the scene requires. So like if it's to put in its crudest form, if I want this to be a sad scene, I'm going to be thinking you're going to have to not deliver the lines like this, but you're going to have to aim for this kind of mood in the right. style that you deliver. And I'm not going to tell you to say, really say exactly like this, yeah. but in case of like, you need to, okay, this is, in this scene, your character is tormented by uh, by fear. We need to really feel this in the dialogue around either how you're delivering it or the emotion you're putting into those words. And if you've got an idea of how you might do that yourself, I don't think that's quite helpful. Yeah. I, I, think, I think it gives you, I, I find as well, it gives me a confidence because I know I've got a good idea of all the characters in my head. And I'm talking all the characters, you know, we're not just talking like, like. You're talking third Roman from the left as exactly, well. Exactly. Yeah. Any, anyone who speaks a line of dialogue. Yeah. Um, I, I want to have a good idea of who they are, why they're there, what they want to get out of this. And that will, and, and as part of naturally as part of that, I think, well, how would, if I was an actor and that was how, and how was I was communicating it, this is how I might do it. Right. So if that kind of makes sense, it's not yeah, like, yeah, I, um, like, oh, this is, I've already played it in my head, just do it like this. It's very much like working with the things you're doing in the rehearsal room and what I think. I think we could come together and I'd have an idea of how I might, if I were you, deliver this, but I'm not yeah. going to make you deliver it in that way. It's it's a collaborative exercise. Hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's and it's also, mm. I mean, one of the smaller points that you just mentioned mm. again, and I think you're right. We'll come back to this when we yeah. move on to rehearsals and stuff. But mm. one, of, one of those smaller points you just mentioned is that I kind of like the idea that as a director, you've got mm. every single character. So if someone is, I mean, I spoke mm. to someone a couple of weeks ago, and they said they were really impacted by the fact that one of the per people they were playing opposite who had one line in the whole play mm. wasn't invested, so they came yeah. on. Yeah, and they just they didn't deliver, and so playing off that person was super difficult because in the oh, scene it was an important man. message, and it was like I need it, I need something from it's you. It's really it's really important. So I've directed I've directed King Lear, and uh, there's a servant who reports to Albany um, a couple of times, and we kind of thought, well, what's the arc of this this servant who presumably has witnessed Gloucester being blinded because they're reporting? How do they feel about this? How do they feel about kind of Albany? And um, when when we get when they move later in um, in, in, in the end of the play, when um, when Liz's been dead and Edmund Edward dead, how's the servant response kind of Albany? The fact that his wife kills kills herself in front of him. But what's the servant's arc? How is the servant close to to Albany or not? Do they have a relationship? So crafting those kind of things is really fascinating. Yeah, mm. no, I agree. And I think, yeah. Mm. From an actor's perspective and from a director's perspective, listening mm. to that should should highlight to you that you should be mm. 
you know, you should be considering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no matter what part you've got, mm-hmm. you, you know, you're going to play a role. Yeah. It will, it will form part of a director's vision. Always, exactly. It really should do. Yeah. If there's a scene where you've got the servant and Albany, I think you can do this in amateur drama in the way you can't do anywhere else because there are no stars. When, when you've got servant and Albany on, the scene should be about them. They should be... The play should be about them. You're the most important characters. You should have you should have an art, you should have a character. We should talk about it just like I would talk to the actor playing Lear about what he feels in the arc of the play. This this scene is as important to me and it should be as important to the audience. Yeah. No, okay. Good. Hmm. Um, okay, so that was a, a little tangent. Um, huge diversion, again. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, that's get, fine. That's fine. I get hugely excited and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's good. It's good. <laughs> so if we just just to again, um, hmm. I don't, I'm not particularly looking to follow a timeline, but it seems like yeah. there's, a, there's a natural flow here. So mm. I'd like to follow that as long as we need to. You've, if you've not directed for five years, mm. are you, have you, have you done a little bit of work in the background to, to rev up your directing chops or have you just acted and you've felt like, you know, this is, this is now the next phase yeah. that I'd like to enter into. I've done, I've done, I've, I've always done sort of, I say I've always done a lot of thinking about it, but it was generally the idea of like, you know, are you, yeah, are you capable of, uh, do, do you think you're capable of doing this? And yes, I am. I think I am. I think I am. Um, okay. I've, um, yeah. And it's just sort of, yeah, I was more confident. I became more confident then around how I could communicate ideas to, um, to, uh, to, 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 to actors. I was much more confident about, about collaborate about collaborating essentially and I didn't I didn't feel like I had to prove that I was the only person in the room of ideas right and that I was the only person in the room of good ideas because it's yeah that's because it's not true <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, actually that's key. That's director yes. will have loads of bad ideas yeah. and you have to have the, one of the things the tricky things as a director um that you have to kind of learn is say at least to have the confidence to basically say oh yeah this scene doesn't work <laughs> no i agree I, I learn a bit i work with an excellent director called ollie baird um in tomahawk um early on really talented guy he then he went on to train professionally um i, I think he worked professionally for a bit as well but i remember being really sort of impressed we did a production of winter's tale i was playing um young shepherd and about nine other small parts because the young shepherd's only in act two so i was playing loads of little kind of lords in act one and really late on Ollie kind of said, like, like, like a week and a half out. Ollie kind of said, um, oh, "Do you know what? The end of the, the end of the play, yeah, it's not working. <laughs> it's really not working. It doesn't work." And he just, I can't believe he did it. But it was, and, it, and it, you know, he, he sort of just said, "Right, for this, we were supposed to be doing a run." And he said, "We're not going to bother with the run. We're just going to just play around and." try a few ideas and see if we can come up with something different for the end of the play. And obviously the end of the play in Winter's Tale is that um, the statue of Hermione turns into Hermione because it's always been Hermione. Gosh, the confidence to basically just throw away an ending you've been working on. for <laughs> Yeah, so close to the show as well. Yeah, and just sort of pull something together so late. But, but because Ollie was so open honest and confident about saying things like that everyone kind of went with it you know everyone yeah. trusted him and that's one of the big things you need to direct so you, you people need to have to trust that you that you're not full of shit for want of a better word and that if you say um if you say something you 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 know what you're talking about and if you are saying that the scene isn't working you know why it's not working and you're being honest and not letting people go out and 
hang themselves on stage in a terrible scene. So yeah, yeah I'd say I learned a huge amount from watching um, from watching Ollie. He was uh, he was a terrific, terrific director. One of the best I've ever worked with. Hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so let me just take that that again. I'm going to take mm. us down a, another path here because yeah. you've you've brought it up. So I'd like to follow it down. <laughs> um, that that idea of trust. Hmm. Where where does it come from? Trust comes to a certain extent in amateur fears from ownership. Right. Okay. I feel like I feel like if actors feel like I'm this, I'm I'm an important part. No matter who I am or what I'm playing this, I'm an important part of this pro- project. Um, I'm an important part of this kind of vision. My ideas are doesn't matter who I am. My ideas are being listened to, mm-hmm. and yeah, they, they won't all be taken on board, and some things people disagree with. But I've I've got a kind of equal say. And I'm not going to be asked to do something which I fundamentally disagree with. Right. Or if if I am asked to do something that I don't agree with, we, it can be discussed. Yeah. And I can put in my own kind of feedback of why I might want to might want to try it. And then if you say in the kind of first few rehearsals, a lot of this is is our opportunity to feel our way into these um, into these relationships, into these kind of characters. And again, like exactly like I think you kind of mentioned, it's kind of the ability to fail. It's like sometimes we'll. Uh, We'll we'll try things or do things and it won't uh, and it won't work and yeah. and I will tell you if it doesn't work and I think that's another thing that actors kind of need sometimes I think uh, some directors are sometimes a little bit hesitant about saying yeah what you did oh man don't do it like that yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I think one of the things I hopefully feel like I'm quite good at is imparting news in that in a reassuring way I'm, I'm right. sure that I'm um, hopefully there won't be people flooding in when they hear this <laughs> saying no you're a twat. <laughs> <laughs> but I've, uh, I've I've worked with lots of uh, lots of kind of actors like that, and I'd say the more I kind of work with actors repeatedly, um, they would probably say that the blunter I am, um, I, I I get. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's allowed, yeah. right? Once yeah. you get that, I remember, I remember this. Uh, my my a really good, really good friend of mine who I've worked with several times uh, as a director, and um, um, I don't remember. He told me the piece direction he got once was, "Could you do it again?" But like somebody who can fucking act. <laughs> 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 Yeah, um, yeah that is quite brutal. Yeah, but um, I but quite yeah. like that as teaching the other actors, though. If you know that person, you give them that direction, and then the other have... like, oh my Christ, this guy's serious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but invariably, most of the kind of the, the vast majority of the directing I kind of aim to do is as it is, is, is collaborative and is kind of encouraging but realistic. Let's mm. let's take a trip down the um the, the kind of process of creating yeah. this play then how do you choose the play that you want to do mm. what shapes that decision mm. how do you get the script ready before we hit audition mm. so what's that like the precursor to auditions yeah. what are you up what are you doing so it's um there's kind of two different uh, steps to it so um if we're directing if we're doing something that's kind of let's talk about something modern so my company uh ronin focuses on um, on modern plays which is generally being plays this this century choosing plays a lot of lot a lot a lot of reading plays hmm. right at which point you find a lot of modern plays are crap <laughs> or or the what they the lot of modern plays tend you know you I've, I've just been reading loads because we're trying to pick something for the next year and there was there's a couple of plays i read one i love this play i love this play i love this play and then you get to the end and there's like a graphic onstage suicide scene right at the end of which then nobody deals with it it's just kind of like, oh yeah this thing happened it's like well okay we're not going to stage that. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and, um, I, it's one of the, my my bugbears with modern theatre. Increasingly, is that they so many plays feel like they have to sort of shock. Um, but yeah, a lot of reading plays, a lot of thinking about what 
uh, what's going on right now? What might people engage? What stories might people engage with? Um, and what stories do I engage with? But um, so it kind of has to be something I'm interested in, but I, I kind of feel all that we are interested in as a company. Uh, but it also, I think, has to be something that will connect with how people are, um, what people are feeling and what they're kind of um, engaged with at the moment. With, with Shakespeare, when I was I've directed an awful lot of Shakespeare, bef well before I've done auditions, I've done a cut of the script. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because I know you're quite well, rich with before, your... Um... Yeah, <laughs> well, you know me. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, well before that, I'll have done a, cut, I'll have done a full cut of the script. And right. as part of that, I'll already be thinking about character arcs. So I'll have combined up a couple of characters potentially, made, um, you know, combine them up into quite often smaller parts, try and combine them up into a proper role, right. um, which you then can then much more easily apply an arc to because it runs throughout the uh, the play. That then gives you a really good idea of um, of who you, of the sort of people you want, the numbers of people you want, the kind of split you might make in gender in the casting. So yeah, and then in terms of picking kind of Shakespeare plays, I tend to pick Shakespeare plays I like, unfortunately I like quite a lot of them. But yeah, things that, um, and you know, there's always a certain element, particularly Shakespeare often goes in, at, well as you know, in the the, the big summer slot where you have to sell a lot of tickets yeah. there's a certain consideration that comes in there of like oh i don't think time of athens is going to sell out the yeah titus andronicus did not sell very well yeah <laughs> <laughs> whereas romeo and juliet <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. yeah um mm. and are you are you kind of do you have a an image or a theme mm. from knowing the play that you're mm. you're then like obviously i i understand i'm not you know, you, you, it won't be mm. shaped to a, mm. to a fine degree because, as you say, it's a collaborative effort mm. with your actors. Yeah. But how, how much of a kind of a theme or an idea are you having? For, is it like an inspirational thing or is yeah. it? Yeah. For, for a Shakespeare play, I'll definitely have a concept. Right. I'll definitely say like, hey, do you know what? We're setting, um, so I'm trying to think, we're setting it in this kind of, in, in this period. So um, when I directed King Lear, we're setting it in a post-apocalyptic version of Oxford, which is based around a, as it eventually turned into a trashed out um, um, car factory, uh, very appropriate for Cowley. But it's set in this post-apocalyptic world. These are the kind of, these are the rough kind of hierarchies of how it, of how that world might operate. So that when I can, when I can present, I, basically the idea is that I can present all that kind of background world building stuff to actors mm -hmm. and then say, right, think about that. Where do your characters sit in this? And I find presenting that sort of clear vision to actors, which I do as early as possible, really helps them to, uh, to, to not worry about that. And again, it, yeah. it, it sort of shows uh, in that kind of management stuff, you like, it sort of shows that, yeah, I've, I've been vested time this i've thought about this i've got a kind of clear vision but for your characters there's lots of kind of stuff we can do within that hmm. yeah yeah no i, I hmm. speaking to actors it hmm. definitely feels like they like the idea that a director hmm. who comes in and says i we, we have this vision yeah and and by in three months time don't hmm. you worry we will have gone through this process to get to the end yeah. hmm. you haven't got a fret that by the time the show's come hmm. we're still thinking about this vision and we're not yeah quite hmm. yeah that's mm -hmm. definitely something actors appreciate when they yeah. when they do come in the room but for, for a shakespeare play as well as part of the cut i'll have reorganized the play into smaller see smaller rehearsable chunks in advance oh, okay. so um if i pick i always give them little names so if i am um, uh so and they usually they usually split roughly by either the end of a scene or a point when another character comes in to radically yeah. alter the nature of the scene but and these scenes usually no more than kind of four pages some of them okay. like one or two pages sometimes but um as part of that as well 
in the, the script, I'll give the scene a, a name, which um, which kind of hopefully gives a guide to the kind of to the actors to start thinking about the kind of emotion that will run through it. Yeah. Um, so and I can't remember any of them apart from from my script, The Merchant of Venice, way back where I called the opening scene with Antonio. I called it Sorrow. Okay. Um, I then think I went through the script in a bit of a wanky way, trying to name them all <laughs> after David Bowie songs. Which oh uh, man, I got I got about two thirds <laughs> of the way through, and like, oh, fuck it, doesn't it? <laughs> there isn't really a David Bowie song that relates to someone cutting nuts on shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but yeah, pe- people get to know the kind of scenes like that, but it gives them a kind of an in when they're reading it of sort of saying, oh, it's that's what if I see a scene that's called Great Expectations, I think, oh, that's the kind of vibe that yeah. there's a kind of vibe in there of someone thinking about their future. So yeah. that's clearly an important arc here. Punchy and Piffy, number them all. It really helps with scheduling as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, cool. Mm. So that's good. So that's like, that's nice. That's, that's how you would select a script and how you would kind mm. of present it to yourself and get it prepared for mm. your guys when they get into the room, which is great. Mm. When you're casting the show, yeah. what's what's your audition process? And I mean, like, um, let's not to gloss over this because mm. um, it's obviously integral to getting people through the door. But let's mm. say you've you know you're getting a group of people yeah. through the door. You're doing certain advertising. Mm. You're hitting Facebook or people whatever it might in. be. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. How mm. are you then shaping that that hour and a half or two hours? Or are you doing it over three nights? Is it one night? Is it how? Are um, you... So it kind of it kind of varies a bit. Um, if I'm doing an OTG show uh, where there's a big expectation that it's going to be three nights, we do three nights. A lot of okay. other companies I've tended to do one, maybe two um, nights. Um, but in terms of the approach I take, um, I get I get people. So I've got if, if I'm doing a Shakespeare play, let's say we'll just run with that. I'll get people. I'll have a range of speeches that people can uh, can choose from. Okay. And we'll get everyone into the room. So they're not so they're yeah. not preparing a monologue for you prior to walking in the door. No, I I'd okay. much rather yeah, I will send things to people if they ask in advance. Right. Um but uh but yeah, generally and some some societies have that as a policy now. But generally I give people kind of speeches and actually quite often now it's not a Shakespeare in fact nearly always now it's not a Shakespeare speech. Oh really? Okay. Um and I do and they're quite small because um I tend to find when someone's um, auditioning a speech, long, long, you kind of, you've kind of got a pretty good idea of what they're like within like the first twenty seconds. Yeah, and if you give them like a four-minute speech, uh, <laughs> um, you're going to quickly run out of time to see as many people as you want to see. Yeah. So I try to give basically something to the equivalent of a sizable paragraph mm-hmm. as um, as a speech, and it will be from something modern. Part of the reason I want to go for something modern when I'm doing Shakespeare is a lot of people are. Um, intimidated by Shakespearean language, or yeah. they think it's got to be done like a oh, once more unto the breach, dear friends, once more. And if you give them something that's more colloquial and modern, you you get a sense of their acting. Because I, yeah. I I personally think if you can actually do Shakespeare, yeah. Okay. But the problem is a lot of people feel when they see Shakespeare that they ha- that it has to be acted in a certain way, which it doesn't. So I get everyone does that individually, like there's no one else in the room watching them. I think that's important because one of the things that really bugs me in um, in auditions is naturally that there's a range of scripts and things to do. Some people are going to choose the same the same script, um, the same speech, yeah. and then that means that um, you'll probably have watched other people do <laughs> that speech. And then, yeah, and then, yeah. yeah, and then it's really hard not to be kind of put down, particularly if you're doing something 
funny where everyone in the room has now seen the funny thing four times and no longer find it funny and it doesn't matter if your right. way of doing it was much funnier than the first person's the joke is long since dead so yeah. we get people in the room do like that they'll go through and do it then i'll give them a bit of redirection and it's usually a redirection to do it in a totally different way to how they've done it which is in no way related okay. to that i frequently have said this goes a bit against what the text says but yeah right. so to put it in its kind of simple way if you've done something really angry at me could you now do it like you're really depressed and sad and vulnerable? Okay. Yeah. And, that, and that's just a test of the acting chops, basically. Yeah, that's that's okay. basically, essentially, yeah. That's seeing how quickly can you can you gear change and how different can you make it. If I ask you to do something that's the polar opposite of what of what you've just done, are you able to to get towards that? Right. Okay. Now, can you actually can you actually do that? Hmm. Okay. And and sorry, go on. I was going to say after that, um, it's uh, I do I do I do duologues. Oh, so um, like, that was my next question. Yeah, there's okay, a second, cool. yeah, the duologues. The duologues, if it's Shakespeare, will will be Shakespeare, but not Shakespeare from what the play we're doing. It'll be different Shakespeare. Okay. Um, I think that's good because some people, like I say, it, it rules out people who might come with kind of preconceptions, like saying, "Oh, I'm here to read um, this yeah. part," so I've already thought about um, I don't know Malvo Romeo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to read it like this. So yeah, the parts from completely different plays, usually kind of duologues, a couple of, of trilogues. It's just it helps with numbers as well, actually. And another thing that I think people don't think about is there's actually a lot of project management work that goes into thinking about this. It's good to have a lot of things at least up your uh, sleeve. Yeah. I'll pair people up myself. Again, this, I think, yeah, sorry. This, mm. No, no, this is on the same evening, right? So they've done their They're monologue. All the same evening, yeah. Okay, yep, so right. the idea is we'll get through the monologues, hopefully in the kind of first 45 minutes to an hour. Then mm. the second hour, we'll do, um, we can do kind of duologues. But as soon as, if, so if you came in and auditioned and read for me and did a monologue, I'd give you a duologue to leave the room with Brilliant. to start rehearsing. And I'd say to you, I'll send someone to join you to read that duologue right. later. And then I will select someone who I think might pair up nicely with you who's, who's auditioning after you. Right. Um, and then if we've got time, I'll repeat the process. And usually we do have time. Repeat the process where, say, you and um, Bob have come in to read your um, your scene together. I'll say that's great. I'm going to give you this scene. I'm going to give Bob this scene. Could you go off and prep these? Someone else will come and join you later. Right. And that's that gives me a chance to see how people work with different people, right? Um, how they collaborate, how they interact, how giving they are as as actors, which I think is really important. And uh, yeah, again with that, I'll be giving redirection. Right. Um, usually not the entire scene. I quite often say, look, let's just do, I do this, this, this speech as well, actually. Let's just look at the first half of this scene. Could you do it like this? Yeah. Right. Do it up to line X, Y, Z. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But I kind of feel one of the big things, I think a director has to be working a lot in, I, you know, I don't sit down. I, I very rarely sit down in rehearsals either. I'm always up. I'm trying to, I'm trying to work. I'm always knackered at the end of it. But in the audition process, I'm always, I'm always thinking. I'm always right. thinking, I'm listening to what you're doing and I'm looking at who else is auditioning and who else have we seen and I'm thinking, Act, you know, I'd be really interested to see you paired with you. So I'm going to try and send you off. There's a lot of thinking on your feet and it's hard bloody work. Yeah. Um, and, but yeah, I think that gives you a lot of power to try combinations right from the start and then you can fine tune combinations in callbacks. Mm -hmm. hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And <clears throat> how, how... And we'll, we'll jump into callbacks in a second. Yeah. In that in that first round of stuff, mm. how kind of brutal are you being? Are you giving? And, and this is, and yeah. I'm not meant, I'm not meaning to sort of hmm. unmask you as a bastard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but are you looking at people and going, oh crap? 
I'm uh, so in terms of what I'm saying to people, I'm very positive. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'm just a bit, but yeah, you'll make um, like I say, within about I would say within about twenty to thirty seconds of someone talking at you, uh, where they're acting, you've got a pretty good idea about whether they which whether the bucket they fall into is a no, a maybe, or a probably. Okay. Yeah. And you kind of plan the splits like that. And um, I tend to be more brutal when it comes to the weeding out later when you're trying to work out on callbacks. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, again, it's part where the kind of thinking on your feet a lot comes um, comes into it. Because if you're, ma- if you're making those, kind of, and you can be wrong, because someone might just do the monologue very well, and then you just pair them up with someone with a duologue, and they're, they're, they're really good. Yeah. <laughs> and that's happened to be loads of times. But it helps, it helps give you a very clear kind of idea of where people, which bucket people are going into, because then that helps you guide. And what I might well do is if I've got someone who's a kind of, eh, I'm not quite sure about you, I'm going to pay it for someone who I'm pretty sure is good. Okay. How or, interesting. Or, or potentially someone who I know is, is, is good and will give you stuff to work with. And right. We'll, we'll bounce off you because I want to see if that. So bring you up. up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and what? So in that 30 or 40 seconds, I know mm. I, I'm taking that you. That makes me sound really brutal. I know, I know, yeah, I know. I'm not... These speeches go on for like a minute and a bit, but you kind of, you, you're a director too, Mike. You must have seen. No, 100%. Like, callbacks. I mean, some, yeah, you look, go like, Sometimes God. I see people walk in the door and I'm making my decisions already. Yeah, like, yeah you, so, kind of, you just kind of know, don't you? If you hear someone start off the speech and they're, they're, you, anyone can recognize bad acting pretty quickly. Yeah, so yeah. I, I totally agree, and I will yeah. I will put myself <laughs> in the shame corner with you. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, what I I guess I would ask in that mm. there might be some people who are in that mm. bucket that we're putting them in. Mm. What what in the thirty or forty seconds or the minute or you know the the, mm. the scope of that evening? Yeah. Can, can they should they be trying to do to impress you? Mm. Like, what are the stuff? And I know it's. Again, mm. I'm not want to put words in your mouth, but yeah. I know it's not like just blow me away with this amazing thing. <laughs> sometimes you're nervous. Sometimes the space yeah. isn't right for you. So what, what is it? The things that in your head are the things that you're looking out for that it's, would go, oh, actually call uh, back this guy because. It's empathy for the character. Oh, okay. It's, 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 it's thinking about the character. It's, it's giving clear sign that you've kind of thought about it, that you've, that you've, that if I basically, I, I, the wife, if I was to ask you a question about why you did that way, you'd be able to say, oh, I did like that because of this. Right. Um, and then there are other, and, and, and there's no, there's no right or wrong answer there. Whatever no, your choice no, is, there's never right or wrong answers. Right. To these things. Yeah. I think that's really important. So many yeah. people, whenever I ask questions like this, so many people think, "What's the right?" Ask me like, "What's the answer?" So I've absolutely no idea. Right. Um, yeah. It's, it, it, you know, I, I remember it's a bit of a tangent, but if I ask a question like, um, like Macbeth and Banquo, say like, um, how do you guys, how did Macbeth and Banquo meet? How long have they been together? Oh, I don't know. What, what is the answer in the text? No. Yeah, just, just, what, what do you think they, they're yeah. clearly friends how long have they been friends for let's let's talk about it and work it out but yeah it's uh, it's similar to this you want to get a sense that people have been have thought about the character they've got a kind of empathy for the character and, and yeah there's a certain amount of technical skill obviously which or you know at least the rudiments of, a, of technical yeah. skill that they, they can exhibit but it's that's the kind of key thing you want someone who who's thoughtful and engaged okay <laughs> and yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Mm. And I, and I, again, I'm not, mm. it's you doing the talking, but I, I do agree with you. <laughs> yeah. so I'm not, I'm not trying to uh, throw you under the bus. You, 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 you do the talking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. what my wife would say. But... <laughs> yeah, you, you said it, not me. Um, but mm. so let's, let's, so mm. we've, we've gone through and we found mm. our maybes and our sort of definites mm. for the callbacks. What, mm. What are we looking at in terms of a callback? What what's 
So I try and make the callbacks as organized as possible because I hate wasting people's time. Right. Um, as in, I don't want to like say, can you call back for like, I'm going to call you. Everyone's going to come uh, for the start and then everyone's going to leave at the end. And actually I only need to see one thing from you. So you're going to hang around for an hour and a half until blah, blah, blah. I very much like, right, let's break this. Let's break the slot down. And usually I'd end up like focusing on characters. So let's say I'm auditioning kind of for King Lear again. Like, okay, um, I'm going to audition like Lears and Cordelia's for like 20 minutes at the start. Right. And I'm going to get a few tetras in and we'll, we'll a couple of short scenes and I'll give these scenes in advance and they will be from the actual play. And I'll shuffle things round so that, um, so in that kind of 20 minute spell, you might read with three people and it will be, it'll be minimum, there'll be smaller rehearsal time, but the scenes are short. So that, that's the kind of thinking, but I'll get a chance to see you, how you might work or interact with different actors and this is and from so you're using the script mm. of the play that you're doing now i would use the script now yeah okay. mm-hmm. um because now you do want to start thinking about about characters but yeah i would i would very carefully plan the callback out so in into i just so if it was two hours i'd split it into like 10 minute 15 minute slots and i have a pretty good idea of what i'm doing and i'd be working hard to make sure that i keep to that schedule right. so that i'm not wasting people's time Okay, because generally um, it's one of the big things I think pisses me off as an actor. Oh no, I, time's being wasted. I hate. Uh, yeah, mm. I'm a I'm a big advocate of yeah, of, even in rehearsals and stuff, not not mm. calling someone for their three minute scene and having them wait yeah. two hours. And Terrible. Do the one, yeah, know, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of your decision making process, mm. are you looking to be convinced or are you looking to not be unconvinced? Is that a fair question? Like, um, I try as much as possible not to make too many decisions okay um and the, the, there's always going to be one or two roles where because you've, you've only got a limited amount of time for callbacks there's only going to be a couple of roles where, well i know that um i want this but i know this person is going to play this yeah um and there's also you're not always getting 30 yeah. people for every role so exactly you make, yeah. yeah yeah so that you do sometimes just kind of know uh and interestingly actually i said that lee cordelia bit but when i when i did do Lear, we cast cordelia without a callback because there was just an outstanding candidate, right? So we called back all. We called back virtually every other major part. We didn't call back any Cordelia candidates. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, but yeah, I try not to have any decisions. And also, I I, I work. I like working with a panel because again, I like discussion. And right. I like other people's opinions because uh, other people will see things that um, that I don't. Or okay. so who who is that panel then? What, what was uh, it? it varies from from show to show, but it's usually if I've got an assistant director, it'll be, they'll be on it. A, a producer or production manager or someone similar will definitely be on it, and yeah, but I've had to, I've had stage managers on it. Um, I did, but just pe- it, people from within the company. Yeah, people, that are... people people from within the crew or company and people right. who I who I kind of trust. Okay. Um, and we might have three or four of us there. And actually, I would I would always try and do that as much as possible. And then we'll go away and talk about it. And then when I'm casting, I I really. Yeah, we try not. I try not to talk too much about parts too early. I prefer to talk about actors and what they can kind of do, and then we can match up with parts. Particularly as, again, I think big mistakes that are made in casting that I've seen is when you is when you kind of go, well, who were the best people? I must put the best people in, and it doesn't. It doesn't always. No, it doesn't always it, work like that for the show. Yeah, as soon as you get into rehearsals, it makes it super difficult. Yeah. To, um, yeah. Okay. Great. So that's. I mean. Mm. I think that falls in line with kind of what most people mm. will probably say that they're doing that. Um, are, as we, as you move into the rehearsal room, what's the, what's happening prior to that? Are you doing a read through and then 
I know we've talked about the first few weeks of how you structure the rehearsals, but kind mm. of how, how does that feed into yeah. the process? So I always do a read through. Um, okay. I do a read through for two reasons. Uh, one guarantees everyone's read the play, yep. <laughs> which sounds like a silly thing, no. but yeah. Uh, two, and I already found this when I, I played a Tesman in Hedda Gabler, and um, we didn't have a read through of that. And um, being an actor, I only sort of skimmed the bits I wasn't in. Like, you know, I read them, but I didn't, I didn't read them. Yeah. Um, I sort of skimmed through them. And I found out quite late on when, when we were at uh, uh, one of the first runs, there was some really major information about my character in a scene, which I had absolutely no idea about because <laughs> I'd not acted it and not really read it for, for months. So I think it gives people a huge overall shape of the play. Yeah. I'll normally do that read through about... Um, Oh, at least a month hopefully before rehearsals start because okay. i'll then ask people to to learn the lines uh, how how rigid are you on that are you trying to get them off book before they walk in the room or you just I mean, want to i've um so having your own company i've had to walk the walk on this a bit because i, I increasingly come around to the view that if you don't have to carry this bloody book around <laughs> as early as possible yeah your performance is going to be so much better I think that's a really big thing, by the way. If you're a lead actor or you're the producer of the company and you're acting in it, you have to set the example. But but yeah, so we'll do the read through because that will give people a chance to, it'll give people a month then to learn the lines. And by the way, this is a tip that people always ask. People always ask me like, how do you learn all those lines? Because it's the thing that people always ask actors um, because no one can understand acting. And why should they? Because it's weird. <laughs> but I always kind of feel like for every page of a script, that's probably about an hour's work. Certainly for me, okay. I'm very bad at learning lines. Right. Um, it's about an hour's work. Learn it repetitively. So Anthony Hopkins has a great technique with this where he says he'll read it 250 times. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. Just, and the yeah. reason he's doing that, I think, is because so many people think like, if you can do it like, wow, um, once more unto the breach, dear friends, once more, then I know it. People right. think that. And actually, you only know if you can go once more to reach the front, once more, close the wall up, very English dead, in pieces, nothing so becomes a man as modest stillness and humility. If you can't do it at that pace, you don't know it. Right. I, I genuinely feel so. That's what you need to kind of work to. And that takes a lot of time. Yeah. Also, if you're learning to get off, off book for rehearsals, another thing that people don't do, um, they try and start often from the start. And most rehearsals, you're not going to necessarily start from the start. You'll be doing a scene. So learn that scene. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, as a director, getting mm. a scene schedule out yeah. for rehearsals is quite mm. important. It's great. I would I would aim to have the schedule out, hopefully at the same time as the read through, um, okay. if not a little bit before. I try and put the schedule together as soon as possible. Again, again, a project management type tip for directing here. There's a, a boring admin tip. The earliest, the earlier you ask people when are your availabilities, and then the earlier you send them a schedule and say, pen these dates into your diary the more flexibility people, the, the less that you'll have to sort of flex later because you've given people their commitments nice and early. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. Mm, mm. No, a, that's a massive thing. I, I, yeah. mm. I spend my life chasing people and trying to find out why they didn't tell me they had holiday booked and there was a wedding yeah. and there was, I was mm. like, come on. It's really, yeah. <laughs> but because the good thing is then when you do the, so at the read through, which I'll generally choose like a big company meeting, we'll like, we'll go around, everyone will introduce themselves who they're playing. I'll do a little kind of talk about, oh, we're doing um, this play and it's set in this kind of period and 
this is the kind of vibe we're thinking of. And now we're going to read the play. But um, we'll discuss then and say, look, you've got the schedule, read the schedule. You need to tell me if you can't make any of these dates because I've based it on the dates you say you can make. Um, yeah. Okay, yeah. that's, that's mm-hmm. smart. That's smart. I think, yeah, yeah. Especially mm-hmm. if, it's, if especially the read throughs a month before the first rehearsal, then exactly that's enough mm-hmm. time for people to you yeah. Know, get and their people, and it gives people a chance to percolate the play a bit as well. And and it and a lot and it is easier if you have said it all out loud. So you're guaranteeing that everyone has said it all out loud, opposite the people that are actually going to be saying the other words back to them out loud yeah. as well. And and even in the, and even mm-hmm. in the the best scenario for an mm-hmm. amateur company, you may not get back to doing a full read through. Mm. until much closer to the show it may not it may not do the whole thing again so Mm. actually not just to have them read it once but to have them know that you know yeah it's there and 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 then you're going to come back Mm. to it are you worried at all and and i'm you know these things come to light through the beginning of rehearsals Mm. are you for a shakespeare show you've got 20 characters yeah and i I know you say when you edit the script you're pulling it together and and you're doubling up and you're making sure that it's a it's a kind of a refined thing where everyone has their own arc Mm. but are you there's, there's always potentially one or two, if not three or four, much smaller roles. What's your feeling on amateur theatre and those roles in terms of the, again, I've got to choose my words so carefully, but I want I know, to say... I know what you're saying. Basically, the you'll quite often have in small, very small roles, you might have an actor who's maybe not acted before and yeah. is a bit... Is a bit raw or rough already or or inexperienced and how do you how do you work with them you do it in a kind of it's it's really hard to explain how you do it it's about how it's it's just about hopefully being able to having a good sense of what people kind of respond to doing and doing it kindly I think that's the Mm -hmm. big thing doing being being kind being friendly being supportive while you're doing it saying I'm not doing I'm doing this because I I want you to be better I want you to be really good. I know you've got the potential to do this and I really want you and I believe in you and I am going to put in the time to help you do that and I'm going to dedicate myself to help you do that. And I think if that's the kind of the 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 impression that and hopefully the passion that you can get across to people they'll they'll engage with that and they'll want to then they'll go on that kind of journey uh, with you. Yeah no no I think that's a good answer I think that's a fair Mm a fair approach to dealing with it. Mm. Um, It does feed me into a question that just, just came to mind now that came up earlier that i didn't i didn't draw out of you what is you what and again it's it's not directly linked to what we've been talking about it it, it does feed into kind of like how you how the rehearsals go though what is your feeling on kind of that 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 raw talent versus that technical skill and and where the benefits of either or or both lie that's quite a big question i know but yeah i think it does it 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 does shape a rehearsal room and how the mm. is, it, it goes with actors who are very naturally talented, mm. you, you know, or, or actors who, are, who maybe have too much technical and not enough yeah. experience. It's, it's, it's good. It's, it's nice in a cast when you've got a few bankers who, you know, would be basically the kind of people who, you know, if I did, as some, as a, you know, if I did nothing at all, <laughs> if all I did was just like open the room and get you to do it and then leave, your performance would be, fine yeah. and what's good about those actors is you can push them yeah you can say right okay let's really delve into this character let's really go into this scene let's really find the core and the 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 emotion of it and let's do something that really challenges you rather than just giving your patented performance that i know you can do standing on your head and i've seen you do it in other shows and it's great but i know let's let's do more yeah 
And the great thing is if you've got the right, and again, this is this is why casting is all about, or should be in my mind, about sort of identifying who works collaboratively, collaboratively well with people. Because if you've got people like that who are strong in the room, who are also keen to get, who basically who aren't just doing a play because they want to stand in the middle uh, with all the lights on them while everyone else stands behind them and they get all the applause. That's yeah. not the person I want to play. I don't want to work with that person. I want, I want people who think, well, the best, even if they're kind of thinking the best way that this play can be good and that I will look good is if we are all good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I think that's a really yeah. good point. <laughs> and if I, and I'd say really kind of collaborative, supportive people who want to sort of bounce ideas with people and also to say, hey, and as I love it when you're working with direct actors and the actors will say, oh, I've just had a thought, if I did something like that, maybe you could do something like that. And the other actor would go, oh yeah, because that means that would open me up to walk over here or to, to deliver this line over here or to get angry about this or happy yeah. about that. And I think if you've got that right combination, school comes out of that combination of people, yeah. they'll all help and spark off each other and help develop um, develop each other. And you're going to be doing slightly different approaches with some more inexperienced actors, there'll be a bit more kind of coaching. But then for 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 less experienced actors, for more experienced actors, you can do more pushing. Okay. Yeah, yeah that makes that makes sense. And what from a maybe I can dive into your kind of actor side for a mm. for a moment. Mm. Like are are you personally reading books that tell you how to be a better actor? Are you watching mm. videos? how are you how are you growing as an amateur actor? So, as in, or, sorry, yeah. or how how should others grow as well? Like oh. you might have a personal way that you do it, but how, how in your mind yeah. how so Generally, always the best way of, of growing is, 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 is doing it. Agreed. Um, and I think it's being honest to yourself and be honest about don't, 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 don't bullshit yourself. You know, I've done shows. Why well, sounds bloody awful in? <laughs> and I think, and I, or, you know, and I just, I think if you, or, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't cast right, or I just wasn't, I just couldn't click with the character. Or I just know I wasn't, I wasn't, oh, I, was, I was dreadful in a production of Antigone um, once. I was playing uh, Hemon. Um, my, 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 my childhood um, excitement at potentially playing someone who's called He-Man was uh, yeah, that's... right away. But, <laughs> but yeah, I just, this is a character I was, I was, I, was, I, don't, I didn't feel comfortable in it. And I just, I was playing bad. Right. In, in the play and i think one of the things that's important about improving is is recognizing when that kind of when that kind of happens um but also watching a lot i mean i watch a lot of films i watch a lot of acting um i've got i know film acting is a little bit different than theater acting and i, I go to the theater but not quite as much particularly not in the last couple of years and, uh, but um watching storytelling and understanding what makes effective storytelling in performance i think is is really um is really important and, and i say really when i i don't read much well i don't, I don't read any books about acting um okay. or acting technique i don't think i've ever read a book about acting technique or, or directing technique which either makes me sound possibly stupid or <laughs> or ridiculously overconfident uh, <laughs> um, once again you yeah. said it not me <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah um i think one of the big important things about acting is is understanding and becoming to us to whatever character play becoming an advocate uh, for for that character really working on the ability to read and understand them and empathize with them and i think that's yeah. key mm. okay so that's directing. yeah yeah mm. no I, yeah um mm. let's let's talk rehearsals then let's just mm. we, what are you actually doing with your guys so in those first three rehearsals so i'll have broken the the play down or scene into into a series of scenes 
And when I go through and do that, I will hierarchically judge which scenes need more work than others. Okay. Like which scenes are more which scenes are more complex to stage. Right. Okay. And something that makes a complex scene might be something that has 10 people on stage because mm -hmm. there's going to be a lot of traffic direction. Um, or it might be a scene that's really intense emotionally. Okay. Yeah. So um, so that kind of works with you've, you've kind of adjusted the scenes according to that. Then the first time we'd kind of do first rehearsals, like I said, I'm gonna say, first time we do before we do the scene, first time. I'll have usually arranged the rehearsal schedule so that we're starting the scene with with a with a core groupage. And what I mean by that is like getting all the uh, all the mechanicals in Midnight Stream in for the first rehearsal, or getting Leah and his daughters in for the first rehearsal. So it's a group that is going to work very closely together in the play and need to have a shared backstory. Okay. And we'll talk about personalities, and we'll talk about what makes these relationships between people tick. And kind of lots of kind of notes kind of written down where I think and who I think their kind of characters are. And I'll prepare a series of kind of open-ended, uh, uh, flexible questions and discussion topics that, um, that I want to um, have. We'll, we'll come together as a group and we'll discuss this. And I'll be kind of guiding and prodding uh, the discussion and changing and altering some of the kind of questions that I'm giving, depending on the answers that I'm getting. And this is where a lot of the kind of thinking on your feet comes in again, because there's a lot of uh, reactiveness to, uh, to how, this, um, how this conversation works. And I always say to actors, this isn't a, uh, it isn't a test or, or a quiz or, or checking that you've, kind of, you've got the kind of knowledge. There's no right or wrong answers. It's entirely about how you, the actor, and, and I, the director, respond to the character and what's um, written uh, on the page. So I'm really kind of guiding and, and shaping that. And it really allows a kind of shared history um, to, um, to develop. And when you've developed a shared history um, like that, you can really use it in rehearsals uh, later. So you see someone doing something and you say, um, oh, you, you, you did this line like this. But when we kind of discussed this character, you, 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 we both kind of felt that your character felt on this issue like this rather than the way you just played it. So is, is there a reason or that you've done it slightly differently? Or, and you can use that as a kind of basis to inform the kind of character. And it's not a fixed and fast thing that's going to hold forever uh, throughout the rehearsal. And you'll change it through the rehearsal process as it kind of goes. But it, so it's not a Bible, but uh, it really helps uh, actors to create a kind of hinterland for their um, for their characters. And we'll really and what I'm why I'm doing that not with just because I used to do this with just individual one on one actors. Uh, like, what makes your character work? And then I realised that this plays a, about relationships. So, well, it doesn't make any sense if I have a conversation with the guy playing Macbeth. And we say like, oh, this is the history of your marriage. And then I have a guy with the person playing Lady Macbeth, and like, oh, this, this is your marriage, and the histories aren't the same. Yeah. It's ridiculous. They'd be yeah. the same. So, and both actors all and both actors should be kind of working together to create a backstory that they're both comfortable with and works for both of them. And um, and I won't be guiding this. I might have ideas, but I will um, I will want them to to share their kind of ideas and feelings. And I might sort of prod if I don't if I completely 100% don't agree with something but generally we can't something that's kind of collaborative like that so we'll do that work so people will have a good idea of who their characters are and what they're about then if we're doing a kind of small scene if we're doing a scene that's not like a traffic direction scene and I call a traffic direction scene like um like in much do about nothing there's a scene any that those gulling scenes in much do about nothing a quintessential traffic direction screen to this because the physics because the preciseness of where people are at particular lines mm -hmm. is essential for that scene to work 
So I would approach that scene slightly differently. But for a kind of normal conversation scene where there might be four people chatting, and we've talked, and if we've done the work talking about character and people know what their kind of personalities are, know what their relationships are, I'll basically just say, just get up and do it. Okay. Let's just see what the natural blocking is. I don't really think of any blocking for any scene other than complex scenes like like those kind of going scenes. We'll get people up, we'll get them to do what feels for the character, and then we'll see how the rhythm of the scene works. And then, and this is why there's a lot of thinking on your feet, I think, as a director, you'll adjust by what the scene does. So they might get up and do it, and then I'll say, hey, do you know, when you when you played that scene, the feeling I got for you on that line felt more like you wanted to confront this character so rather than sort of staying over there i think you should come across to them and do that and then if you do that i think your character who is uh, in defense of the first character should also should try and intercept and then suddenly we've got a bit of a kind of movement and okay. yeah and i feel that and i think that's nice because a lot of that will be based on a kind of blocking that feels very natural to the actors themselves yeah and then everything we're building is being built organically on top of the core that the actors themselves are comfortable with if you know what the story of your individual scene is, if you essentially treat each scene like a, I don't know, two to five minute movie uh, with a beginning, a middle and an end, a clear arc, then that really helps too. And again, that'll be part of the discussion of the scene. So if we say, right, the objective of this scene is that um, uh, Lady Macbeth needs to convince Macbeth to do this thing. So to do this murder. So they start off polar opposites in views and they need to be as one by the end. Okay. So let's, but how, how will the blocking kind of affect that? So at what point will that kind of move out? And I say growing it kind of organically like that is what's really nice. It's also great because then you don't lock it down, but I hate locking it down too, uh, too much. Then we can play around with it for the next few rehearsals and we'll iterate each scene at least three times before we do the first kind of assembly run. And in terms of character, again, I know mm. you've touched on a number of things. Yeah. What's the, you're shaping a character mm. out of the the central concept, and as you say, I, I wanted to make a note of that for people listening. That objective in each scene, and I do like, I do really like the idea of having mm. an approach where you make each of those sections a a complete section. Yeah, mm. it's a very important thing mm. to have that kind of concept in your head. It's, to my mind, you know, it, yeah, it, definitely. For the Every audience scene as well. Has purpose, otherwise, it wouldn't be in the play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And the audience mm. will lose interest if yeah. scenes blur into each other, and you get yeah. a ten-minute section or twenty-minute section where it's like, mm. "Where the fuck is this going? Where's the yeah. climax of this section, or what's going?" Audiences on? get bored really easily. I certainly really? do when yeah. I'm in an audience. I get bored yeah. easily. That's um, yeah. why I like things short, like punchy. Um, I generally yeah. feel like a play that's over two hours is got to really justify why it's longer than two hours. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in terms of that characterization, <laughs> what's the again maybe calling on your acting stuff? But what is the how are you how are you expecting an actor to do it? And how are you as an actor like? What's your homework? What it, what is it the work that you're doing to shape that character? Yeah. Reading the play a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, really. So quite often when I'm directing, um, so when I'm directing Shakespeare in particular, I will quite often draw kind of parallels. Um, I've seen a lot of movies, so I tend to use movies a lot. Um, so I'll say like, oh, this is like, um, I don't know why this movie sprung into mind, but like this is like um, the bit with Newman and Redford in The Sting. <laughs> it's just, yeah, I'd usually I try and pick a movie that most people I'm pretty confident have seen. I don't know why The Sting has crept into my head. I think it's because I watched a Paul Newman film yesterday. Um, but uh, but yeah, I'll pick a yeah I'll pick a kind of uh, 
uh, Game of Thrones was really helpful like this because everyone had seen it. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, pick pick a kind of thing like that that you can sort of latch onto and you can relate it to. And um, and I'll quite often say something like you're saying um, this poetical word, but what you're actually saying is screw you. Yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. that's the kind of that's kind of vibe for it. Then, in terms of kind of shaping the whole kind of character, yeah, it's reading the play. It's really getting that kind of empathy of understanding why your character and thinking about why your character does certain things, and thinking about the world. I like to think either side of the play, okay. particularly backstories, which I think are really good. And audiences will never pick up on backstories. I mean, they'll pick up on little details, but it will inform the acting of the piece in a way the audience really will understand yeah okay and Mm. once once you've begun creating these pockets of Mm. of of scenes or sections of the play how are you then bringing them together so we've we've talked about kind of Mm. this beginning process of just getting on its feet and we've talked about the characterization Mm. we've talked about how you you will you will group people together Mm. and have them uh, work with them to shape those sections how are you then knitting it together i nearly always do partial runs so we might say two at play let's say that um for one one rehearsal we're going to run the first half of act one okay um we're going to run all those scenes together and see how it kind of works um and then do notes and then we might do it again then we'll do the first half of act two and so on and so assembly runs then we'll do a run of act one then at a rehearsal then we'll do a run of act two then we'll think about doing a run Hmm. okay and I think it's it's bringing it together in clumps so everyone gets an understanding of, oh, right. And I feel it's lot because basically the first half of Act 1 is probably going to be 25 to 30 minutes worth of content, which isn't too overwhelming to do in a rehearsal the first mm-hmm. time. When you run it the first time, it'll probably be about 40 minutes. <laughs> While everyone goes, oh, it's just the bit when I, yeah. And there'll be bits where people go, is it me next? And yeah. Because it always happens. Yeah. Um, I think one of the really important things, you've got this kind of collaborative, because it's free thinking work in the kind of first two thirds like if you're rehearsal process but when you start hitting the kind of runs i personally feel the thing you want to do is you want to kind of nail it so that it's second nature that's one of the director's core responsibilities to give to the actors i think when we're doing the runs i want to run this play enough so that people don't have to think anymore about what scene comes next where do i go on this line what what's what's the emotion on this scene i want them all to think of think that's i want that all to be like instinct second nature you don't even have to think about it yeah and that means that when you're in performance what you can focus on thinking about is is really selling it is really yeah. committing it is really is is feeling it is is, perf- is performing it for one of a better word is there is there just off the top of your head like a a timeline of when that kicks in are you are you and again yeah for the audience i'm working with a a timeline of kind of like three to six months of rehearsals. Yeah. Know, maybe not six months, but you know, amateur so, theatre so type of rehearsal. Yeah. So for, for a standard show, you probably, I would say, in my experience, about three months of rehearsal. So you're probably entering that kind of run stage in the last month or so. Okay. Bearing in mind, you're probably doing somewhere between three to four rehearsals a week, most yeah. often three rehearsals a week. Um, and it helps mapping out the schedule that way because you kind of, I kind of do the schedule almost backwards. So I'm like, uh, okay, well, so this, this is the dress rehearsal. So obviously the rehearsal for that are going to be a run and a run. I do, I do, I'll put in a fixes because there's going to be stuff you want to tweak and fix. So, and that will be, you know, we'll just, whatever scenes need work at that point, whether it's just sorry, this scene just isn't quite, quite there. Let's just 
we, if we, but if we tweak this line delivery, move that movement, and just talk a little bit about this character thing, it will be much better. Yeah. But yeah, run, run, assembly runs. That basically fills up about a month, and then you've got about two months where you are trying, aiming to rehearse each scene that you've broken the play up into, and I would say a minimum of three times. Ideally, yeah, the, the most... If it's a really, really, really simple scene, maybe twice, but I would say the minimum three times for really complex scenes, I will want to rehearse them at least five times before okay. we do a run. And, and how are you analyzing your progress on a scene? Hmm. How, how do you kind of review? I know I'm, I'm taking this to be you as a director stepping yeah. away and going right mm -hmm. at home, shit, scene five, my mm. God. Nah. What's, what's your approach to kind of like assessing where you're at? It's the, I suppose it's the vibe of it. It's if I think the story's, if I think the story's there. Right. If, I, if I'm watching it and I know, and I could look at any character in it and I'd know what they were thinking. Okay. Or have an idea of what they're thinking. And I'd know what the kind of, and I know what the stakes were. And it had, and you know, just on a technical level, it had pace and, and urgency and it was, and it was engaging to watch. Hmm. The, the, <clears throat> This is this is maybe a throwback question, but mm. um, I'll ask it now. What what yeah. in terms of your vision, concept, idea? Mm. How are you marrying up the idea of, and this feeds into how you present the shows. Yeah. How how are you marrying up the, the, possible ways of mm. of staging it versus the practical ways of staging it yeah. with the this is my concept. I really want to fly a helicopter in here now, but I know <laughs> I can't. Yeah. It, how, how are you using those visual things so in your head to? Any any concept, uh, particularly when doing something like Shakespeare, should it needs to sit within the um, the themes of the play. You've got to concentrate on what you can do, mm -hmm. and also I think got to concentrate on what the principles are. And uh, and the principles of what an audience want to see in a good show is they want to see an engaging story with characters who they relate to and understand and who they feel things for. Hmm. As a as an amateur director. You, you tend to have to control a whole load of different things. And then you mentioned the purse strings and the, you know, <laughs> obviously all that sort of stuff. How are you, how do you like sound, lighting, costume, mm. staging, yeah. props, marketing, or, mm. uh, and, and maybe from the Ronin hat, you can, yeah. you can approach this. Mm. It, te it tends to be that you've got a small team of people working Hmm. With with a small budget, yeah. What what's where do you kind of where does your emphasis lie? What's your and I know you've said that that hmm. the story is key, so you're not worried about the ninety helicopters that you could have got if you were <laughs> whatever. But in terms of like, um, your costume, what, do you have a like a a ratio in your head of where you'd like, you know, do you, do you value the costume over the oh, yeah. props? Or those those things. All, all, all those things are just as much creative roles as acting. And I think okay. there's, a, there's a big um, tendency in a lot of actors to kind of assume that those are, those are the boring functional type roles. Mm -hmm. There are, you know, costume designing, a set design, a stage management, lighting and sound design. They are as creative as acting. And when I am working with a, with a, with a team as, as, a, as a production manager or a company owner or um, as a director or whatever, I, I I work in the same I work as much as I can in the same way as I do um, with a um, uh, with, with the actors. So if I'm working with costume or set design, I'll give I'll say, look, this is the this is the, this is the kind of where we're setting it. This is the kind of brief. This is the kind of vision. I'll probably also say this is the budget. But yeah, go away, 
come up with some kind of concepts, bring them back to me and we'll discuss them. But yeah, come up, bring, bring me your kind of ideas and there'll be loads, as always happens when you work with very good people. And I work with so many good costume designers and, and set designers and all these people, so many talented people, brilliant stage managers. They'll come back to you with really, really good ideas. I mean, let's be honest, much, much better than I would have thought up. I mean, I'm a terrible set designer, I'm an appalling costume. I'm, oh God, awful. Um, but they, they, they'll, they'll take kind of ideas that I've kind of blabbered at them about for probably about 40 minutes, much like in this interview. Um, you know, well, God, why did you shut up? And um, and they'll they'll come back with these wonderful kind of concepts and, and theories. And then we and we make those work in terms of where the kind of split is it really depends on the kind of production and it depends on the kind of overall uh budget i wouldn't say that i default to favoring one over the okay. other it's very much the demands and the requirements of maybe the venue and the play and yeah. then what the kind of uh, budget um is and i i when i'm obviously when as, as a producer as well i want to set the shows up to um to 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 succeed financially because everyone wants to be in a show that's there are three things people want from shows um and then they, they want four things maybe they want it to be they want to have enjoyed it they want to be proud of it they want it to be good and they want it to have made money i.e people to have seen it so those are the things that you need to sort of set up to 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 succeed for as as a director or a producer and those are the things you need to be sort of thinking of and that kind of inf informs all your planning from from budgeting to um, to rehearsal uh, management